Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 21 global audio and video platforms, including Facebook Live, iHeartRadio, iTubes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet Radio, TuneIn.com, Owl's Tale, U-Book, Cast Box, and of course... <laughs> caregiverdave.com and we're so proud to be voted number one you have to learn how to do that in one breath I'm going to try (laughs) (laughs) and and I'm also going to try to sing that uh, Johnny Cash song I've been everywhere man (laughs) been to Houston, Buffalo (laughs) we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as the number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. Or I could do what they do on, on TV, where they just speed up, you know, the sound, and they sound like a uh, an auctioneer. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? Of course. Lorraine Justice is a designer who works to make better products and services for people. She works with a lot of technology and will talk about the early robots that are coming our way to see if they can help caregivers out. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank last week's guest, Beth Liebling, is a divorced middle-aged mother of five children and grandmother. She's also an Ivy League-educated former board-certified divorce attorney who got tired of breaking people up So now she helps couples stay together. That's a good change, isn't it? Well, just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 21 global platforms that I mentioned earlier, iHeartRadio, iTunes, etc. All right, enough of that. Uh, Welcome to the show, Lorraine. Why don't you take a minute or two and just tell us, who's Lorraine Justice and why was she put on this earth? (laughs) Oh, thank you, Dave. Um, First of all, I'm glad to be here. And the very first thing I want to say is caregivers are amazing. I I have the most respect for caregivers. And I I don't know how they do it. I really, it's just (laughs) amazing what they do. Are are you one? Are you one also or no? I, I was off and on with my mom, but my sister, my older sister, really had most of the responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I would go in on weekends to try to relieve her, and just those weekends were very, very difficult. And they got increasingly difficult. My mom just passed away this past summer, uh, but she had a length, she had a brain tumor that acted mm-hmm. like a stroke, 
So we, you know, we had this progressive situation, but I would look at what my sister would do and was so grateful. I, I couldn't even speak sometimes because it was just overwhelming. Anyway, I was put on this earth to help people. I, I, in, in the design profession, which we, it's, you know, a lot of people say, what's design? Well, it's, it's everywhere. We design products, services, websites, you name it. But what we do is we try to make everything better for the user. So we do a lot of user testing, design research, whatever it takes. And actually today is going to be a little bit of that. I want to say free research into what robots could do to help caregivers. Notice I'm saying help caregivers because I believe the initial stages, if we do use a lot more technology in the future, we're probably looking at technology to help the caregivers to help the people. Right. They're cute. Yeah. So that's kind of the premise. And um, I, you know, there are some really critical questions to ask, some things to think about. I think the caregivers who are listening, this might give them food for thought for the future. And while they're in action, caregiving, asking themselves, what could I use help with? Yeah. I just yeah. saw an article recently um, about robot dogs uh, for dementia patients. And, uh, you know, of course, they, they think they're real. And they, they resolve a lot of the problems of the dog uh, biting or, or peeing or whatever. But uh, that's one certainly uh, solution to a uh, problem of getting a dementia patient uh, some companionship that's safe, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Uh, you, you know, this, first of all, robots are already here. And they're just in different areas, and they're getting refined and refined. But there mm -hmm. are a lot of questions around this technology. And Where so, are they? You say they're here. Where are they? They're here. Because I don't they, see them. <laughs> there are factories all over the place. Well, Dave, oh, yeah, they're here. making cars and stuff. But I mean, in, yeah. in human in human situations, where we're using and in, and in and in surgical theaters. Absolutely. No, I was going to say I'm a robot, but no, I'm a real. I'm a human. <laughs> human. Uh, no, Cyborg. they are. <laughs> they are. You know, they're in our factories. Well, Walmart has robots that scan the shelves now, and mm. uh, they look for merchandise that's missing or out of place or whatever. And they how do I, they move? Uh, they do. They look like people. Uh, no, no, I guess it's a unit. It's rather boxy. In fact, I heard, and I don't know if this is true, that they purposely didn't make it a humanoid robot because they didn't really want humans interacting with that robot in the aisles while, while right. the robot was working. Right. You know, can you imagine people going up and saying, can you scan this for me? I need to know this dollars. <laughs> It's you like, know. don't don't bother the service dog, please. He's working. <laughs> That's right. You know, so don't put eyes on the thing. You know, is that that right away, people would be going up to it. And yeah. so, you know, we've got them in stores. We've also got um, 
some other robots coming along. I think you've heard of Sophia. She's very, very realistic. Um, she has facial expressions that mimic humans. It's, um, it's done by David Hansen Robotics, amazing stuff. And they're looking to get a very humanistic looking robot. So other robots, uh, of course, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just, in terms of skin texture and, and hair, it's a very lifelike. Yes, she has makeup, you know, hair, you know, yes. Sophia. Are there men as well as female, male as well as female? <laughs> yes. And okay. these, these robots have been interviewed on TV. They can interact up to a point. And again, it's early, early days for robots um, and realism. But we've got other robots that don't look like robots that are that are out there. And sure. so, yeah. And they're sorting mail, they're doing all kinds of different jobs. And, you know, the, the worry is that robots will take our jobs away. Um, Somebody's got to make the robots. <laughs> Somebody has robots to make, make the robots. <laughs> the robots will make the robots. We have a robot at my university uh, that cleans the floors. It's a right. bigger, bigger industrial unit. And I got off the elevator one day, and I, I see this thing coming down the hall, and it's it's a big black box with green lighting, and and I just thought, is somebody behind that? No, it was totally, <laughs> totally on its own, cleaning the floor. So they're they're just we're going to see them in so many areas. But I oh, look to the future. Now janitors are losing their jobs. Oh my God. Well, I mean, I know at at NBC <clears throat> they have. Yeah, the, all of uh, God knows it's a huge place. They've got the mailroom people have been replaced. Uh, as far as the mailroom people who used to go around from office to office to office delivering mail, now you've got the robots doing it. Yes, they're just programmed yes. to do it. Right, and you know China. I. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just saying China. They must be behind this. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, I lived in China for eight years, believe me. You did? Yes, I did, and worked all over China. I was in Hong Kong uh, as a dean <sighs> of a design school there. Uh, but Japan is the one to watch for robots. They they already have them in the airport, airports talking to customers. and. No, China has their face recognition in full. You know, you can pay for anything just with your face. And uh, not, have mm. to fumble, not have to fumble for change. So this technology is, you know, there's a, there are good sides and bad sides and downsides. But what we want to do is really think about what this technology is and how it impacts us. And so, um, you know, caregivers, you know, caregivers, I don't believe caregivers will ever lose their job because of the human touch. Unless right. we're in some, unless we're in some evil empire, and you know, they take all the caregivers away. No, I get think get into it's... robots before you say that. <laughs> <laughs> Was it as a child obsession? As a child, <laughs> danger, danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> 
fucking space. Hey, that's, that's my line. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Now, I, uh, no, I just got into technology and I saw the good sides and the downsides. And in design, we have a chance to make things better. So I'm constantly looking at what's working, what's not, how could this be used. And we have to think in the future of, you know, what, what would be appropriate. So you're an industrial designer. Yes. That's what I wanted to be. And I, I mean, I ended up as a graphic designer. But uh, a designer's job is to solve problems, regardless of which discipline. But that's what we do. Absolutely. And I'm so glad to hear you say that. Beautifully put. Um, yeah. And, you know, those lines are merging now for graphic designers and product designers just because of the work that's out there. A lot of the mm -hmm. digital. Yeah. It has to be appealing. That's right. So one of the things we do in design is have a, we do a scenario. And so let's say that there's a caregiver and the person they're taking care of in a room and the caregiver needs to go and do some other function, clean up or go get something. And if they had a row, if the caregiver had a robot and assistant, what kind of tasks would that robot do possibly? Well, you know, to help the caregiver. And that's the thing to think about. And what would it look like? The, that, that is the question, because I think all, all of us would prefer a different type of robot, and that's a little bit of the problem. So if you take a 10-year-old boy, you know, he's going to want a robot that looks really science fiction and very cool, and maybe even has, you know, lights going on at the same time. It's, mm. you know, but if you take... Um, you know, an older man, he may want a different kind of robot. He may yes. want... 23-year-old girl. <laughs> right. Naked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not go there, Dave, because um, <laughs> there are sex robots that are coming out. And, uh, yeah, well, a lot of questions. yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and then if you if you ask an older woman what kind of robot she would want, and of course it's, it's gonna it's gonna look like a movie star, right? <laughs> no, would it? You you. It's interesting. An older woman yeah. might want a companion, right? Instead of a beau girlfriend. That's yeah. True. So, Exactly. And these are the types of questions we would ask people. You know, if you could have technology, and the thing is, they could have something with them that doesn't even look like a person. Of course. They could, it could be some type of a, you know, machine. Who knows? Um, if it's a medical robot that maybe would take all the vital signs, you know, that may have a, maybe they want it's to have a more technical look mm -hmm. or, you know, it, to inspire trust or whatever. It, so, you know, the look of a robot that would be in the room with the caregiver and the patient, I think is very important because you're spending your days with that thing. 
So the the robot that um, you know, and if it's annoying or if it's not, you know, and they can have personalities too. So let me ask ask another question. If you're at the airport and you have the chance of speaking to a flight, um, no, not a flight, a, a desk agent who's having a very bad day and is very unhappy, or a very pleasant robot. Robot, you know, robot, robot. Which has choose? all the information. <laughs> right. And won't get to And no PMS. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, won't mind you asking the same question three times uh -huh. uh, without getting snarky. And, um, you know, so th these are the types of things that are coming where we might be able to help, at least until people's human skills get fine-tuned, if well, they as ever a, do. As a caregiver myself, and I had an opportunity to get a robot if I did, um, I would want a robot to maybe give me a back rub while I'm doing, you know, other duties and stuff, or uh, rub my feet, you know, or things like that, things to help me uh, feel better and uh, rejuvenate myself, etc. So uh, I'm sure there will be a demand for that as well. Right. I mean, you know, that robot could get you a cup of tea or juice or water right. just as well as the patient. And um, I think it's more about taking care of the caregiver to t help take care of the patient. Although the robots can probably do both, or you'd have two types of robots. Now, the the question that I have is: is this technology has to cost a lot of money? Right. You think? <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, certainly the more mechanical looking, the less cosmetic looking. Um, it, it would cost less to be mechanical, but as you get more sophisticated and you make it look like a person person, um, that's got to be really expensive. Who's supposed to pay for this? Yeah, how are we going to afford yeah. this stuff? Right. Okay, first of all, um, yes. Well, wait a minute. Bernie Sanders can do it so that it's all free. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, here's the thing. Uh, let me back up a little bit. If you have a CPAP machine and right. you're using it at night, that data, I learned, goes to the insurance companies. Okay? And mm -hmm. insurance companies, and if you, they can tell if you're using it or not. And right. if you're not using it, they can pull that. CPAP machine, or not pay for it, or make you pay for it, or whatever. Right. So, you know, I was thinking uh, years ahead with robots, you know, if insurance companies are paying for these robots, um, you know, what restrictions would be on them, and what kind of liability and insurance and all kinds of other issues come up. Of and course, there's liability, too. Absolutely. And then the other thing is, what if people get attached to this robot and then it goes away? Um, you know, it's like a pet, you know. So anyway, this is wild stuff right now. Years down the road, it's going to be very, very common to start to think about these things. So how, so, how, how wait, much hold that, that question? That, hold that, hold the whole 
that question, we need to take a break. So okay. Stop. Don't go away. <laughs> we'll be right back. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Who am I? My name is David. I've had the privilege of being Charlene's husband since 1975. We had a wonderful, fairy tale, storybook-like courtship that culminated in our marriage a year later. Charlene had just come out of a marriage where after 10 years, she received two black eyes and a broken nose by her former husband when he came home high on speed. Charlene believed in no second chances of any kind for abuse, so she left. Finding herself all alone in the world with her five and 10 year old daughters, Cynthia Lorraine and Deborah Lynn, she started raising them by herself for the next two years. Then fate brought us all together. After falling in love with Charlene, Cindy and Debbie, our love then produced Rebecca Elizabeth. We had a wonderful, normal life for the next 20 years. But today, things are very different for everyone. How about the reaction of nine-time Grammy and Dove Award recipient, the godfather of contemporary gospel Christian music, Andre Crouch? Charlene just won't let the promises of God go, and she has not let her circumstances get in the way of her faith. She's not just a survivor, she's more than a conqueror, as the Bible states. You'll be encouraged by her testimony, regardless of what you're going through. Available everywhere. We're back with Lorraine Justice, talking about robots, and my co-host, Adrian Gruberg. And I'm Dave Nassani. We're on the Caregiver Dave show, caregiverdave.com. So, Adrian, continue yes. with your question. If you can I, remember. I was, oh. I was curious about how how much the I, I, I she must be a prototype the robot that exists um that's so pretty and whatever i mean how much did will these things cost and how much did she cost in terms of development and Talking about Sophia? It's yeah. I mean it's yeah. it's overwhelming. Oh, right. Probably millions. Yeah. And, she, and years, years to develop. And um, and again a lot of it was really around research. How how far could you push the realism? And sure. yeah, and, and so it was really a lot of research that came out of Hansen's labs. Now, if you look at the robots um, from Boston Dynamic, uh, that that's pretty scary and exciting <laughs> at the same time with the agility. But let's get back to the cost. Uh, I think what we'll see in the future as this research for robots moves forward is probably bits and pieces. You know, they may work out some type of unit that can bring your tea or coffee or juice or water or whatever and and install that or they may have a more sophisticated medication dispensing situation where 
the robot would step forward at three o'clock to deliver that medication. You know, so when you break down the tasks that caregivers do, um, we may start to see pieces and parts of machines that will do that. And right. I'm sure I'm sure Dave could get a massage at that point. We're talking about unpaid family caregivers, but don't forget there are hospitals and facilities that can very well afford to put robots uh, in, uh, you know, care facilities to maybe take the, the graveyard shift to turn patients over uh, who you, have bed sores. If you look at the, the 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 people that are rolling around the the um, the tables with the computers on it now, um, that might as well be a robot. Absolutely. It, I mean, that I can easily see. Because that and, task is just hospitals. Kaiser can afford Kaiser can afford that, and and uh, you know the medical centers and so on, insurance companies. I mean, and yeah. and there there are certain segments I would imagine, like the medical segment of of uh, of the economy, where every hospital in the you know in existence would would opt to yeah. to have it would this. Save, it would save money. Yeah, it would save be a lot of money. replacing people, yeah. So it's not financially feasible for an unpaid family caregiver one-on-one -on -one to get oh, a robot, yeah. you know, but... Uh, Yet. Yeah. Yet. But maybe it's the cost of a car, eventually. Maybe. Or only rich uh, celebrity caregivers can afford it. <laughs> Wow, there are so many issues around this. Um, there was just an article in the New York Times about the problems that um, I guess CVS and Walgreens have had dispensing, just dispensing medications and human error um, in those issues. So they're finding that some of the pill dispensing areas, that may be better automated. We're not sure. I mean, that's something. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of it already is, but that customer to human contact, they're probably looking at that. Um, other issues are around, I want to say, the recreation aspects of caregiving where, you know, if someone wants to be read to or if they want to watch a particular mm -hmm. movie or music, um, you know, the caregiver has to usually scramble for some of that if it's new. And it would be great to have some kind of system where they could just, you know, have that available for their patient while they were doing other things. Like Watson. Um, <laughs> Watson could read to you or, you know, or play chess with you or Jeopardy, right. you know. <laughs> so technology is supposed to help humans. Now, the argument is, oh, the jobs are going away. Well, there are new jobs coming out. You know, 50 years ago, we would have never heard about engineers working on driverless cars. Those jobs right. didn't, they didn't exist. And we don't even know what jobs will come open um, in the future. So I agree. I can't say it's a 50-50. You know, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I watched the steel industry leave that city, and I saw the people get re-educated, the medical communities thriving, 
the universities really took it on. And, you know, that city turned around. It really did. If they can do it, a lot of other cities can do it. I mean, I wanted to, at one point I wanted to go to Carnegie Tech. And my father said, my daughter's not going to school in Pittsburgh. And then when <laughs> right. I went to Pittsburgh, years later for a Mets game, it was yeah. like, a, it was a beautiful city. It was like, yes, what was the absolutely. problem? Yeah. <laughs> I know. It really is a beautiful city. Right. And so it is possible to retrain people to, you know, look at the new jobs coming up. Uh, but it's not easy. I mean, you know, and then when you look at a caregiver's job, so much of the stress um, that, you know, you want to look at the areas of stress and the what they call, I guess, the, the points of stress for a caregiver mm -hmm. and study those across many caregivers and then try to develop the best system, could be a robot, but try to develop the best system for what can help them. And I see change every day in my field. I see people invent things, all the innovations. It's, um, it's a very positive place to be, but we have to be realistic. There, you know, there are things about the cost and the human interaction. Yes. Yeah. My mother was in a nursing home and my mother-in-law was in a nursing home. And one of the biggest, um, complaints about nursing homes and facilities like that is, uh, you know, you need something, you push the button, and they're just understaffed, and they don't come, and they, they have to wait. So it'd be nice to have some kind of uh, robot, you know, that doesn't have to look like a person. It can just be a box. It looks like a vacuum cleaner that comes <laughs> yeah. and says, yes, can I help you, you know, and uh, right. Yes, you know, I uh, my my bed won't, uh, you know, I'm uncomfortable. Oh well, you know, and like I said, that if they really want to improve the service in hospitals and improve the patient experience, I mean, it won't take that much money. One robot can can cover a whole wing, and they can afford it, and they can uh, you know lay off some people. It would pay for itself, and so on. Well, you know, Dave, that reminds me that it, it wouldn't even have to be a robot. It, you're right. It could just be a box that someone would speak into. And then artificial intelligence would be able to screen those comments for keywords. Right. Like, I'm dying or <laughs> uh, I have to go to the bathroom. You know, very artificial intelligence in the future should be able to discern those two things, at least. Um, yeah, and, and, and hospitals in general, too. I mean, we're not just nursing Well, I mean, if, you, if you've if you got somebody in a bed that needs to be adjusted, for example, right. uh, the art of artificial intelligence, you could have a whole station that covers the floor, and every bed is attached by, you know, via computer to that station, and the computer can adjust it. You know, the other thing, too, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, just uh, does it take much to raise the feet and lower the head or whatever they need adjusted? No. That's no. right. You know, the other thing, too, is um, some of the voice recognition software is incredible. 
There are apps we have on our phone where when we speak, it translates immediately. Yeah, well, my phone is terrible at doing that because <laughs> I look at it and it's, I didn't say that. So hopefully they have a better version uh, at the hospitals. All right, Dave, I'll have to send you some of the apps I use because they're I had a whole conversation with a woman, a Spanish woman, and I don't speak Spanish. The only thing I could say is I love chicken in Spanish, which, you know, doesn't help. And uh, we, we actually had an entire conversation and had great translation. So that's the other thing. People caring for other people in other cultures, mm -hmm. um, you know, emergency situations where you have to try to understand. All this technology really wants to help, but you have to make sure that it's not used in a, you know, in a not so good way. The other thing, speaking of not so good, I was thinking, you know, when caregivers might have something in the room with them that is maybe listening or monitoring, that, you know, they would probably find that problematic. Um, you know, years ago, in 1990, we named our daughter Alexa. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. And I met a woman here in Rochester. Her name is Siri. And I said, Siri, you have to meet my daughter, Alexa. <laughs> so anyway, you know, these devices that listen in, um, do we want those in an, you know, I think it would really not maybe be good to have in a caregiving situation where something was listening. Um, and that's another thing. People need to step up and say, no, I don't, I don't want to work with that. You know, I, that's too intrusive. It's too easy to get the wrong idea. I, you know, I'm a professional, you know, all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. Although some people monitor their dogs <laughs> at home while they're on, at work. I mean, you know, who knows where the monitoring aspect can go. Right. What is the what is the future of caregiving if if this is the direction that it's going? Well, maybe, here's the thing. Maybe people won't be caregivers anymore. Maybe they will just have machines be caregivers, and, oh. and people can uh, can be free. You know. Well, they can be friends. They can relate and have relationships without the stress. <laughs> yeah, there might be more. Um, different types of, of contact rather than, you know, if you could put some of the tasks off to a machine and concentrate on some of the lovelier tasks, like just spending time or right. helping, helping to Reading calm a story. Someone, right, calm someone down or discussing about what their life was like. And, Wouldn't you know, that be nice? Yeah, exactly, that quality time. And then the patient doesn't see the caregiver getting really stressed about, oh, I have to get this going, and I have to do that, and I have to do that. You know, it's really about quality. But will that happen? We don't know. That's the thing we want to happen. So, I mean, this I, is this is the future. Uh, the, you know, right now, the idea of introducing a new 
human being into the house. You know, this is your caregiver. I'm going off to work, and she'll be here while I'm gone. Um, those, the patient and, and the appointed caregiver might not hit it off. So right. with a rope, with a robot, you know, it you'd have a totally different relationship. There, there would be less friction between the two of them, I would imagine. <laughs> that could be, you know, um, personal conflict. Right, and you know, when you think of patients getting upset with caregivers. Oh, that is so much stress. Um, uh, awful. Yeah. yeah, and um, it takes its toll on the human um, caregiver. So, you know, maybe some systems or robots or whatever technology would be able to take the brunt of that somehow. And again, it has to be studied. Um, oh, yes. Again, this isn't this isn't to take away caregiver jobs at all. It's to enhance them. Um, although, you know, some of your listeners might say, "Oh, you know, bringing in a robot that means I'm going to lose my job." I <laughs> I don't see how that can happen. It depends on what they're doing. You know, if they're just dispensing medicine and not doing much, more, which I don't know. It, they they may they may lose their job in the future. It's, it it depends on the tasks that they do. If they're just delivering food, that could impact their jobs in the future. But if it's more of a holistic care, uh, they should be fine. You know, we shouldn't underestimate the power of a small pet. Uh, we have a service animal, and my wife loves him. And when I'm at work or something, that's her companion. Mm -hmm. And uh, if that dog ever dies, oh, my God, it's a family member. And yet I, I think about the, the dog robots and the cat robots <laughs> that they have for dementia patients. Um, you know, I'm sure they're cheaper and I'm sure they're more affordable. I mean, it, it's almost like a doll for a baby. And, and we almost have robot dolls for babies these days that, that are certainly affordable. And um, they can be, uh, they can take the place of, of being a companion for the caregiver, or uh, especially the dementia and the Alzheimer's patient, which is so important. People are just so anxiety-ridden and lonely, and and uh, you know uh, won't let their caregiver go into the next room for because they're alone. Right. And and having just a little furry, <laughs> uh, Ewok-looking uh, robot. <laughs> that would keep them company, that would purr and stuff like that would be, would be uh, really Soothing. Valuable. Yeah, I, I would like that anyway. I would like that anyway. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but kids would like it too. Years and years ago, Sony had, had a robot dog. Do you remember? Yes, Who? I do. Sony. Sony. Oh, Sony had a robot dog, and I wanted one. <laughs> I wanted a dog for a long time, and my husband didn't. Um, but that—that toy—it was a that toy is a very sophisticated toy. It went away. It was too expensive, yeah. and 
I don't know. Maybe the food was too expensive. Well, it's time to take another break, so we yep. will be right back, so don't go away. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I gotta tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. And we're back with the Caregiver Dave Show with Adrian Gruberg and Lorraine Justice and we're talking about robots. And we have about, I don't know, 10 more minutes. So what in 10 minutes can you tell us about um, robots that we haven't already learned? Uh, I was a little late turning on the Facebook Live show. It only caught half of the show. So whatever you oh. said in the in the first half, uh, the Facebook Live people uh, didn't hear it. And you might uh, be okay to repeat it. So, <laughs> Uh, Lorraine, uh, did you say you were a caregiver or you were not a caregiver uh, when I asked you? I was partially, and I I wanted to say first that I am in such awe of caregivers and the work that they do. Uh, my mother had a brain tumor, and my sister really had the brunt of that caregiving. I would go on weekends to try to reprieve her, and just mm-hmm. those weekends I did were brutal. For me and emotionally and physically and I just I thought I don't know how my sister does this I, I was just so grateful I mean we're I'm still grateful my mother passed away last summer and she got progressively worse and it was heartbreaking that you know we couldn't do enough for her and um, it was just so hard emotionally and physically what toll, what toll did it take uh, on your sister, and what scars does she still have from that experience? Well, you know, she still, she would get calls from my, random calls from my mom if something was missing or something wasn't there or something was wrong. And she still kind of expects my mom to be calling saying, you know, I can't get this or I, you know. Right. Uh, there was yeah, or even one time when she fell, 
And my sister lived close by, so she would rush over there and and help my mom. But uh, and even for me, it's just so odd that um, I just watched her physically deteriorate. And how's she doing today? She passed away. No, sister. The sister. Oh, my sister. Yeah. My sister is doing okay. She, um, yeah, she's, uh, she is, I want to say she's recovering. She's Covered recovering. from her burnout. Recovering from being a caregiver. So she's and one of the lucky ones because 30% of them die before their loved ones do. Oh, my, is that right? Yeah. Yes. And many oh more become sicker, hospitalized, and need a caregiver of, of their own. It's so, well, it's so I, sad. I was worried for her. So I would actually drive for four hours to and from every weekend just mm -hmm. to try to reprieve her. To, yep. Good for but, you. Um, but she also, you know, she not only did the caregiving for my mom, but the physical types of, of things. She also had to do the doctor's appointments, the medical. Um, yeah, comes with the territory. The haircuts, the, you know, my mom was still well enough to maybe get a manicure once in a while. All those other things that she would try to do to have my mom feel that she was still well-groomed. Right. And cared for and presentable because yes. that was important for my mother. So she put her life on hold. Uh, she had a uh, wife and, I'm sorry, a uh, husband and kids and all that? Absolutely. Absolutely. All children? And, yes. Oh, no, not small children. She had older children, and she was actually near retirement. And, you know, this is a story played out across the United States so often yeah. where, you know, one sibling lives close to the parent or who sure. or they need to take care of, and they're yeah, close the lucky to the one. <laughs> so, yeah, and um, so it was really... I was so proud of how our family handled the situation, quite frankly. Um, there are three sisters, and we all jumped in to do certain things. But good, good. I know it's not like that in every family or every situation. Yeah, many siblings are, like, missing in action. You know, just, oh, I can't handle it. Or I, oh, I yeah. live, you know, on the other side of the country. Like, you're going to have to deal with this. And I'm uh, happy to live on the other side of the country. <laughs> you know, there are those people. So I you tell know, them to tell those people, send money then. We need money. <laughs> something. You know, the other thing that happened is uh, we were fortunate that, well, my sister would make decisions. She'd have to make decisions on the spot about something. And we never second-guessed her. I had heard stories of other families where the person doing the caregiving was doing their best to make dis informed decisions to take care of certain things, you know, what, whether it was a test or a this or that. And then the other siblings were questioning what that caregiver sibling was doing, even though they weren't that involved. And so you have those tricky situations as well. So I, uh, yeah, caregivers, they're special people. <laughs> Here's my uh, my dog robot that helps out my my wife. <laughs> Looks pretty real, doesn't he? Yeah. Dave, is he re is he recording your thoughts? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> A Adrian has one too. <laughs> I have one too. Wow. You yeah, know, I'm, I'm here in Hawaii. Animal. That's why. Yeah, my support animal is missing in action. 
Just sleeping I, on the this job. Is, this is why I'm in a hotel room. That's why I don't normally have this uh, this background. But uh, <laughs> we're in Hawaii, and we're we're um, uh, trying to get on television over here. And we are with uh, the family in a few days, flying over to Kona. And caregivers need to get away. Absolutely. And fortunately, yeah. my wife is able to to travel with me and. Even though you know she's paralyzed on one side and can't speak, she has a power wheelchair, which goes faster than my arthritic feet. <laughs> While I'm here, I have my favorite doctor, and he just injected some some kind of cocktail into them to make them feel better. And I had to stay off them for three days, so I was using uh, my wife's wheelchair for the last three days, just trying to stay off my feet. So this is the fourth day. But uh, you know, it it's, so Dave, you should be able to. It helped, something. but you know, it's no fun getting old. No. Getting old. But Dave, you may be able to do the hula now. You think? <laughs> the hula hoop, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well. Wow. Well, I don't know what else we can cover about uh, robots, but. Uh, it's a very interesting topic. Yeah. And uh, is there anything else? Uh, so what do you do for a living, Lorraine? Uh, does it have something to do with robots and technology? <laughs> well, kind of. I'm a professor at Rochester Institute of Technology. Really? Yes. Ah. And I just, I just One of the smart people. <laughs> well, we'll see. I just, <laughs> uh, I just wrote a book called The Future of Design. And this is what really got me thinking about what technology is coming in our future. And, you know, it's already into the medical professions, but, you know, the caregiving space, there's so much we can do in a more humanistic way. So uh, we'll be looking at more of that and doing research. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So caregivers I've... need to think about this ahead of time so we can ask the questions. Yeah. yeah. I, I have family in Syracuse. That's not far from Rochester, right? Oh, no, close. Yeah, so and you said it's snowing up there now? It is. It is. Yes. It's beautiful. It's in the Finger Lakes region, and I love it. I lived in Hong Kong for eight years, and I love Hong Kong, but, oh, the nature here is grand. It's beautiful. It's People don't realize how beautiful upstate New York is. It is. I spoke up at West Point, and that was pretty upstate, and uh, that was very pretty That's, up there. Uh, not that far upstate. Yeah. Well, it seemed like Rochester. I was on that bus forever. It seemed that way, but you didn't go to Rochester. No, but I've been to Syracuse before, but I flew there. Okay. Didn't drive there. How long would it take to drive from the city? Uh, probably four and a half hours. Oh, that's but I was going to say, people from New York would probably say, oh, that's not upstate New York. That's western New York. So, I'll, <laughs> you know. yeah. But it's a great place, and uh, we're doing good work here. Yeah, so how can we get a hold of you if we want to find out more about you and your book? What's your book about? Uh, it's The Future of Design. It's about how... Technology is going to affect our lives and what we need to think about now before a lot of this technology gets built and services get put into place and all of that. 
So um, I have a website. It's www.lorrainejustice.com, and I'll spell it. It's L-O-R-R-A-I-N-E-J-U-S-T-I-C-E. And I do a lot of international speaking engagements, national speaking engagements on technology in our lives and um, help people kind of understand what's really going on. And who's your audience on the, uh, for the, your book? It who's your is, targeted audience? It really was corporate um, CEOs and business folks. Um, it's really about what they need to know uh, about the future of design that's going to affect their companies, their products, their services, everything. And a lot of it, you know, we've got big data coming that's been captured. We've got all this uh, artificial intelligence that will really help us understand more things. But can also the downside, <coughs> our data is captured and, you know, privacy issues. Right. All of that needs to be sorted out. There are lots of there are lots and lots of questions that need to be asked and answered. And just out of curiosity, have, is there anything that you've done in the way of of retail? Uh, oh, that's an interesting question because we run projects in our universities in design all the time, and so we have uh, groups of graduate and undergraduate students who what might design a better product or come up with a totally new invention. Um, there's that. But myself, I have worked on different types of projects, um, mostly online, interactive types of things where we look at, you know, is the information clear? Can someone yeah. use this easily? How do, how do they feel about using this particular software or hardware? Uh, and how can we improve it? And, you know, we have our testing, but there's also aesthetics. You know, do we like to look at this thing? Do we want this in our Exactly. Um, everybody has a favorite object and for different reasons, and it's all about emotion. Mm -hmm. It is. Wow. So is that your bicycle back there? You ride your bike? <laughs> Yeah, that's my husband's. I moved mine out of the way. It had too much dust on it, Dave. <laughs> Mine's a tricycle. <laughs> well, it's been great having you on the show. I appreciate you coming on. Remind me how we met. My pleasure. Um, I was in, uh, I think we met at New York in the... In the Publicity um, Summit? Absolutely, the publicity okay. summit that Steve and his brother Bill Harrison put on, who, and they are absolutely fabulous. I've been with them for several years, going to their events, oh. and and actually, I met the publisher who did my latest book there as well. <laughs> so, but um, no, it was a chance to meet people like you and interact, and you know, get a chance to have our voice out, and I. I really think that my field cares deeply about people, and so they're very tied to caregiving. How many uh, shows did you pitch? How many producers, and how many did you get on? I've been doing a lot. Um, Good. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. Um, All right. I've probably done 30, maybe. That's just great. 
just in the last, you know, and some of them I couldn't do because I was booked speaking elsewhere. Yeah. But yeah, we're no, going to be at the next one in uh, April. I don't know if you're going to be there. I may. I may go down there. Right. I love well, meeting people. Well, you're local, there. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. All right. Well, thank you, and uh, God bless you, and thanks for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Well, thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise. Like the birds will never sing